Well, good afternoon. I think this is the first afternoon that nobody said good morning to me when they walked in, so it only took us three months, right? Well, of course, uh, our service this afternoon is uh, a little bit different, and uh, because we've been talking about the benefits of worship, we really wanted this service to just kind of be a celebration of the things that we've been discovering in Scripture, and uh, just really spend most of the service worshiping. But uh, we did want to take uh, just maybe eight or nine minutes here and just review some of the things that uh, we've discovered in Scripture in the last couple of weeks. And so we've been talking about this for eight different weeks, and of course, we don't worship God primarily because it benefits us. Like, we don't go and worship because we get stuff out of it. We worship God. There's so many reasons in Scripture because He's the Creator and because He saved us and because He's got a perfect plan for our lives. There's so many reasons why we just worship to reflect God's goodness. That's the main reason that we worship. But of course, Scripture does say that there's beneficial things that happen in our spiritual lives and in our mental being is we're worshipers. And so that's kind of what we've been focusing in on the last couple of weeks. And I'd just like to very quickly review those eight things now. First one is that we learn in Scripture that worship diminishes our worry and our trouble. And nobody ever makes a New Year's resolution that in the year ahead they're going to worry more and they're going to be more anxious. No matter... What your temperament is, no matter how you're wired, we all want to worry less. And in Luke 10, 38-42, we have this great story where there's these two strong women, Mary and Martha, and Jesus comes into their neighborhood, and Martha is just overcome with all the hosting responsibilities, all the tasks and the errands and the chores that she has to take care of. And she even asks Jesus to scold her sister Mary for not helping out more. There's this beautiful quote from Jesus in Luke 10, 38-42, when he says this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You're worried and upset about many things, but very few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And then as the story of the Gospels unfold later on in the book of John, As Jesus is taken away, you know, the disciples are falling apart. And Mary is the one person that understands why Jesus has to die and what the benefits of that will be for all of the believers, right? So uh, it's through her worship, it's through her time in the presence of Jesus that she increases that perceptiveness and she's able to worry and have anxiety less. So what a benefit of worship that is we have the discipline to come and do it we'll be less anxious. In Psalm 27, we talked a little bit uh, the second week about the Psalms and how we sometimes look at them the wrong way. The Hebrew word for Psalm is actually translated not as those poems in the middle of your Bible, but it's to sing with jubilation. So the literal translation of the Psalms are to sing with jubilation. And just like there's that one or two songs that will get you out of your seat and onto the dance floor at a wedding reception, right? Just like there's that one or two songs that will get you singing at karaoke because they just stir you. 
We learn in the Psalms that worship is supposed to stir us into new thought and into action. And so sometimes the benefit of worship is just like that song that gets us up onto the dance floor. There's going to be that one song, that one phrase, that one melody that gives us the strength and the confidence to do something in our lives that we would otherwise not have the strength to do. Another beautiful benefit of worship comes in Philippians 3, 7 to 11, and there's a lot of things that we put confidence in for our righteousness. Righteousness is kind of a fancy word in the Bible that means if God looks at you without fault, if God looks at you uh, without sin. And sometimes as we become churchgoers, we start to put our hope and righteousness in the wrong things. When the hard times come, we think, well, I'm usually pretty composed. We think, well, I've been going to church a lot this last year. We think, well, I've been a really good parent. And what it says in Philippians 3, 7 to 11 is that a Christian's righteousness comes through faith in what Jesus has done. So because Jesus died and resurrected, we have hope as a Christian, we have hope as a believer that Jesus will take our place in judgment. And so one day when God looks at me, he won't see my sin, he won't see my self-defeating behavior, he won't see my great list of failures. He'll see Jesus Christ standing in my place in judgment, and that is a Christian's source of righteousness. So a benefit of worship, according to Philippians 3, is that when we do worship and celebrate who Jesus was and what he has done, our false hope fades away, and that hope and that righteousness through Jesus becomes predominant in our mind and in our spirit. And the fourth week we talked about how worship transforms us. And in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, Paul actually tells this story about Moses in the presence of God in the Old Testament and how he could only even get a glimpse of God's glory. And then he goes on to say in that passage that when we worship, we have the capacity to experience God in an even greater amount. And when we are truly in the presence of God, it transforms us and it changes us and it can make us more like him. Moving along here, we talked that a fifth benefit of worship is that it reestablishes Christ's ultimate victory. And we talked about in Revelation 5 how everyone in heaven is worshiping Jesus because of his victory over sin and death. And in the same way, it's not that that victory ever goes away. But sometimes with all the things that compete for our time and for our attention, we forget to dwell on Jesus Christ's victory over sin and death. And as we were reminded, as Jeremy took prayer requests, we're living in a moment that's just filled with death and deterioration. And so the fifth benefit of worship is that when we worship Jesus Christ for the victory that he has demonstrated over sin and death, it gives us hope of the certainty of that victory in the past, but also what that means for us in the present and the future. And one analogy that we talked about during that sermon was like in Europe, for the 10 or the 15 years after World War II ended, they, they always celebrated the day that peace came, right? I think it's called Armistice Day or something like that. And even though Europe was still in shambles, even though the fields were still, had craters from bomb explosions and the buildings weren't fully restored, looking back at that great victory over the Nazis gave them certainty that there was reason for hope and joy in the future as things would be rebuilt. And I think that's a great analogy for the spiritual era that we're living in now. 
Like we are surrounded by death and sin and deterioration. But as we look back at Jesus' victory on the cross on Resurrection Sunday, that gives us hope and joy looking forward that, that God is restoring all things. A sixth benefit of worship, uh, we talked about that story where Jesus encounters that woman at the well in John chapter 4. And even though she had things in her past that had kind of made her an outcast in her community, just a few moments in the presence of Jesus Christ changed her thoughts and her values and she goes off preaching in her community and, and restored uh, with, uh, uh, just with that fellowship uh, with, uh, with, with the people in her community. And we now think of her quite differently. So in other words, just a little bit of time recognizing who Jesus was and what he had done for her and what he offered changed that woman's legacy. And in the same way, I can tell you guys, I have, I've given a lot of eulogies. Okay? I've been a pastor for a long time and I've officiated a lot of funerals. And when you're able to say that grandma was a worshiper, when you're able to say that grandpa went to church and worshiped Jesus Christ, it creates an incredible legacy of somebody who went through the ups and downs of life with hope and joy. In the same way, worship begins to create a new legacy in our lives. Wrapping up here, we talked uh, just last week about how Romans 12, 1-2 teaches us how worship renews us. Okay, listen to what it says in Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, when we worship God, sometimes the thoughts that the culture and life in this world kind of brings into our minds get exposed as the wrong desires and the wrong values, and we kind of recalibrate our fix on God and how he wants us to think and how he wants us to love and treat others. Worship renews us in beautiful ways. Sometimes I come into church with a list of all the people who have wronged me, right? And then about halfway through the service, the list is now the things that I've done to wrong other people, right? And then by the end of the service, I feel fresh with a new chance to make things right and represent God in the community. And the final thing that I just kind of want to draw our attention to today is this beautiful passage in Psalm 59. What we have to remember is that the Psalms aren't just a diary that somebody's keeping in real time. They're songs that a masterful songwriter has crafted, both the music but also the lyrics. And so the thing that I want to wrap up with uh, this afternoon is that worship strengthens our resolve and it reminds us that we can have strength and hope even in a situation that isn't perfectly uh, solved. So listen to what it says here in Psalm 59, 14 to 15. And uh, David starts off by saying, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. And then listen to what it says in verses 14 and 15, talking about his enemies. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and they prowl about the city. They wander about for food and they howl if not satisfied. In other words, whatever this situation was that caused David to cry out to God, it's not resolved. It's still messy. His enemies are still out there. 
But nevertheless, listen to how the song ends. But I will sing of your strength in the morning, and I'll sing of your love, for you're my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You're my strength, I sing praise to you. Oh my God, you're my fortress, my God on whom I rely. So the eighth and final benefit of worship that I want to end with right now is that worship worship brings us strength, reminding us that the God who's been faithful in our past will continue to care for us and save us in the present, even in an unresolved situation. So as the worship team comes back forward at this time, I just want to say there might be some things in your life that are not quite finished. Like they're not tied up with a bow. You don't know how to go back to your friends and say, well, God fixed this thing. But what Psalm 59 reminds us is that we can still worship We can still praise God, and he will still bring us strength and hope even before that situation is totally completed and resolved in the way that we would hope that it is. I hope at least one of these things has encouraged you this afternoon. I hope at least one of these things have given you hope that when we take time out from our chores and our errands and all the things that we have to get done to come and worship in the presence of God, He changes us. He strengthens us. He gives us joy and he gives us hope so that we can face tomorrow.